This is ContraZoom, where we go back and forth about film. I'm your host, Dakota Arsenault, and today's episode is presented by Aesthetic Magazine. The Oscar nominations for 2020 are now out, and we are going to run through them, talk about everything that's surprising, everything that missed and what are the biggest storylines I need to follow but I can't do this all by myself so I have two very important people on the podcast today and that is Stephanie Pryor and Sammy Felchenfeld. Sammy how are you doing today? I'm great how are you? I'm great Stephanie and you? I'm fantastic. Now I believe this is actually the first time the two of you have been on at the same time so this puts to rest any rumors that you are actually the same person. (laughs) <laughs> well, I don't know. I can throw my voice. <laughs> <laughs> now, I previously have called you guys my Carson Kressley and Ross Matthews. So which one is which? Sammy, I'll let you decide that one. Uh, I begrudgingly admit to being Ross Matthews because of Steph's impeccable fashion sense. <laughs> oh, well, thank you very much. There we go. <laughs> Uh, so like I said, um, the Oscar nominations are out and we did a little bit of predicting for what we think would make the best picture category. Now, historically, since the Oscars have gone up to up to 10 nominees for best picture, the very first year they did 10 and then they tweaked the rules. So that way you had to be a percentage base in order to get the final nomination. Since then, every year there have been either eight or nine nominees. So By assuming that, uh, we all guessed what our eight nominees would be, and if there was a ninth, we get an alternate choice. And um, we did a little recording to to show that we would think that we know what's going on, so we're going to listen to that. So we are recording this on Saturday, January the 11th. This is two days before the Oscar nominations come out, and we are going to make our predictions for what the best picture nominees are going to be. Now, historically, since they have moved to 10 nominees, up to 10 nominees uh, every year at the Oscars, it has been between eight and nine nominations. So the way we're going to do this is say what our eight nominees that we're predicting and then if there is a ninth we have a bonus so if only eight movies get nominated the ninth movie does not count so the rest of them the order does not matter it's only what the final movie is so right now sammy isn't recording with us but we are going to say what his picks are and all of our picks are going to be on the Facebook page for historical accuracy. So you can't say, oh, maybe they recorded this afterwards and that's why Dakota got them all right. Is that what you're predicting? Yes. That you're going to win this? Yes. That's funny. Very funny. I know. <laughs> um, so I think the main thing to start out with is between the three of us, we agree on six movies all definitely being there. So those are Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Parasite, 1917, Marriage Story, The Irishman, and Joker. We all agree that these movies are going to make it into the top eight for sure. Uh, And I think really those seem to be the biggest contenders for the Oscar. Anyways, I I have got no complaints with all of us agreeing on that. I think they're definitely going to be there. Yeah, uh, we could probably go into that further, but I think that's pretty safe to bet. Like, unless Joker completely falls off a cliff, those are definitely the, for sure, top six. Right. Now, we're going to talk about what our differences are. So that means 
Um, you've got two more movies to announce and then your wild card pick. So right. tell us what those last two movies are for you. Okay. So I have put Jojo rabbit and knives out on my top eight list. Um, I think that because of the tip tiff people's choice awards that Jojo's got a fighting chance and that's why I'm putting it in there. And also I just think that, uh, knives out is a fan favorite and I want to personally see it there. So this is kind of a bold move. But I want it in there, so I put it on there. Interesting. Okay, and now what is your wild card pick? My wild card pick is Little Women. I think that, you know, it's it's got some weight behind it. It's got a lot of, um, all, it's got an all-star cast and an all-star director. So I think there's potential that it could definitely wind up on uh, for Best Picture nominations. Now, for me, my last two movies are Jojo Rabbit and Little Women. I agree with what you said about Jojo Rabbit and in Little Women. The only difference is I'm putting it in my top eight because I think that there's probably going to be a little bit more love for the movie uh, across the board. And so I'm really hoping that it gets in there, including a Best Director nomination for Greta Gerwig. Jojo Rabbit, hopefully the momentum from TIFF really does carry over. This seems like it's going to be the type of movie where it's going to get you know, six, seven nominations, or it's going to get maybe only one or two. Right. This, it, it seems like there's going to be nothing in between for this movie. Yeah, I agree. And then my wild card pick is Ford versus Ferrari. This is my pick of, I think the older Academy members are going to like this. It's kind of a bit of a safer movie. It's not as out there in content. It's, you know, got good racing stuff and two strong male leads. So, <laughs> So why not? So why not? Yeah. Um, so those are my my picks. Uh, and then Sammy graciously uh, sent in his picks, and he differs a little bit more slightly. He's going a little more wild card route. His uh, last two picks in the top eight are The Two Popes and Uncut Gems, which differ from both of us. Yeah. Um, neither, none of us picked either of those movies. And so I think it's really interesting Two popes. I, I do see a strong case where it could get in there. It seemed to start out really strong, uh, when it came out on Netflix and then it seems to have been faltering a little bit, but I can still see it squeaking into that, uh, the, the best picture race and a bunch of other things. Uncut gems, I think is a really bold pick for Sammy. Yeah, I agree. I think for the two popes, there's not going to be enough nomination, further nominations behind it to warrant it being a best picture nomination. Um, I mean, same goes with Uncut Gems, although I haven't seen it yet and I'm dying to see it. Uh, I hope that Sammy's right then. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then his wild card pick is Jojo Rabbit, a movie that both of us picked as well. Uh, so it'll be interesting where I think maybe Sammy might be in the right headspace where if there's only eight nominations, Jojo Rabbit might not make the cut. But if there is nine, it might be there. Right. But overall, you know, I think something I could say compared to especially last year's crop is the movies that are in consideration are a lot stronger. Very strong. I mean, it's, it was hard. If you had to narrow this down to five i don't know how you would mm -hmm. it'd be very hard because there's a few other movies that uh that we didn't really talk about that could be in the running mm -hmm. uh you have stuff like the farewell uh i don't think pain and glory will, will make it um judy i don't think has what it's got to be there but then you know of course as as sammy was picking uh two popes can be up there i feel like another wild card could maybe be rocket man just because of the um reception of Bohemian Rhapsody from last year mm -hmm. being, you know, a bio musical and Taron Egerton's 
role and the costumes and it's going to get a few other nominations. So, I mean, it would be a surprise, but I think it also, you know, could be in contention. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so these were picks. Uh, when you are listening to this, the nominations have come out and we'll know how right or wrong we are. But I think it would just be a fun little exercise for, for posterity purposes to see uh, where we are with the predicting. So like I said, check out the Facebook page, ContraZoom. Look up ContraZoom Pod on Facebook and uh, all of our picks will be there. So that way you can preserve the accuracy of what we're trying to do. <laughs> now back to the rest of our Oscar nomination reactions. Now, coming back, you listen to that. As I said, you can check out the Facebook page where uh, the list is all there for everyone to see and see that I got them all correct. Wow, who knew that? Very impressed. (laughs) (laughs) Now, Sammy, I was quite impressed with you. You kind of had a couple out there picks. You, um, You went with both the two popes and uncut gems. What made you decide to throw that into the mix? Uh, well, as as I said on previous Oscar nomination podcasts, I haven't seen most of the movies, but I know a lot about them from reading Variety and and all those other uh, rags, as, as it were. Um, just a lot of stuff are pointing towards Uncut Gems was definitely uh, more of a, a maybe, but I always try to throw one in there that's a possibility, and it pretty much got snubbed entirely in nominations, which we'll talk about. Um, but The Two Popes is actually one that I have seen, and it did seem to me like an Oscar uh, an Oscar nomination uh, fodder. For the most part, so I was surprised to see it missing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is very true. And Stephanie, you were you were pretty close yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only difference is you included Knives Out instead of Ford versus Ferrari. Yeah. Any thoughts behind that? I thought it was going to get more love than it actually did. It, it got very little. I think it only got one nomination. So I think sometimes our own personal preferences do Maybe. creep in for these sort of things. Um, and I went with Ford versus Ferrari as what I was guessing as the token old white man pick and. That's, I think, why it got in. Not because you loved it? Because personal preference? Yeah, it was okay. Like, I enjoyed the movie. Like, I know you didn't care for it, but, like, it was an all right movie. Uh, so we're going to quickly go through all the categories with the nominees. Of course, all this information can also be found online. But we're going to start off with the big one, which is Best Picture. The nominees are Ford versus Ferrari, The Irishman, Jojo Rabbit, Joker, Little Women, Marriage Story, 1917, once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and Parasite. Sammy, we're going to start things off with you. Do you have any surprises? Surprises could be either a positive or a negative reaction to this category. And then if you have any snubs that you think should have made the cut, either your own personal preference or just based on what you think the industry was leaning towards that didn't end up making it. For sure. I'm going to say um, in my years of doing this now, I, I believe this is the third Oscars now I'll have done this. Um, and uh, this is the least surprising best picture list I think I've ever seen um, in many, many years, to be honest. I think uh, when they first expanded the numbers, you always expected one blockbuster. And there pretty much has been a block, like a quote unquote blockbuster every year. Um, I think Joker sort of fits that bill, but other films on this list have done well. Um, and of course, of course, a couple on Netflix. So really nothing, no huge surprises. I admittedly was surprised to see Little Women on the list. I loved it. It's the only movie on the list I've seen, um, but I thought it was great. Um, but I actually, I, I had a strong feeling that the Oscars were going to be like, okay, there's a few places in here where there's going to be nominations, which I'll talk more about later, but it's not really best picture worthy. Um, but I'm also going to say there's a little bit of predictability with this best picture list. 
unfortunately, Parasite's not going to win Best Picture, as awesome as it would be to, for it to win. Um, and it's it's down to a couple of other films that it's very likely. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. Hollywood loves Hollywood, which gives very, very big chances to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood as well. So, um, But not, no huge major surprises for me. No Suicide Squad this year to make it on the list, unfortunately. That only got a nomination for visual effects. <sighs> Uh, it was it won? was makeup. It was makeup, not oh, visual that's effects. Right. That's what it won for. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> do your homework. Oh my god, <laughs> Stephanie. Do you have any surprises or snubs? Uh, well, I, I'm going to agree with Sammy. I'm kind of surprised that Little Women got on there. It was my alternate, but I too didn't think that it was going to, you know, warrant enough to be on the best picture list. Um, and I'll just stick with it. I thought Knives Out should have been on there, so I think it was snubbed. Yeah. Um, for me, I, I, I completely agree with what you said, Sammy, that I think the predictability is at an all-time high, which is why uh, we had we all had six of the same Best Picture nominations, which all seemed like a lock, and then our remaining ones that we rounded out the ballot with were pretty close. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and the fact that I was able to accurately guess it, it should not be what it should be. Like, there should have been more of an element of surprise. I was hoping that there might have been a couple dark, dark horses in there, or maybe we get ten nominees, but that clearly wasn't the case. I think if there was a surprise, it might be Ford versus Ferrari, which not to say that it was a bad movie or poorly reviewed or anything like that, but I think the best way you can describe it is pedestrian at best, uh, which isn't exactly what you hope for in a best picture nominee. Uh, as far as snubs, uh, I'll also love Knives Out. I think if you were to hope for an outside the box pick, maybe something like The Farewell would be there, uh, where you would probably have seen it come up multiple times with the list, but it really just was overlooked this year, unfortunately. Um, which, you know, is sort of a bigger problem because uh, the person who used to run A24's Oscar campaign had switched over to working for Netflix two years ago. And if you look at the Oscars these last two years, Netflix is all over the nominations and A24, which consistently puts out fantastic films, only got one nomination this year, which we'll end up talking about later. So it's they really need to step up their Oscar game. Now, the next category we're going to talk about is Best Actress, which is Cynthia Erivo for Harriet, Scarlett Johansson for Marriage Story, Saoirse Ronan for Little Women, Charlize Theron for Bombshell, and Renee Zellweger for Judy. Steph, we'll go over to you now. What are any surprises or snubs for you? Um, I'm not terribly surprised that um, Cynthia Erivo got a nomination. I don't think... My personal opinion is that I wouldn't have put her in there. And also another surprise for me would probably be um, Charlize Theron. Uh, Out of the three ladies in that film, I didn't think she was the strongest. So that's kind of a bit of a surprise for me. But my biggest snub has to be Aquafina. I thought she was fantastic in The Farewell. And overall, in general, I'm so disappointed that The Farewell got nothing. That's a huge oversight for me. Sammy? Um, no major snubs. I'm going to say right now, Renee Zellweger is going to win. Um, she basically carries Judy on her back the entire way from start to finish. Um, and even before and after the movie, uh, starts and ends. So that's it's not a surprise. I, I believe she's going to win. Um, from what I'm seeing from 
uh, Hollywood conversation, Cynthia Erivo is a bit of a surprise, not to me um, necessarily. And of course, Saoirse Ronan, she's going to be, she's pretty much already on her way to being Meryl Streep. She's going to, she's going to end her career with like 90 nominations, including directing and best picture and all this stuff. Um, she's amazing little women. It's actually not her best performance, but the fact is not her best performance still gets her Oscar nominations. Mm-hmm. I think for me, the, the surprise was Arrival, as, as Stephanie talked about. Uh, I will go on the record. I hated that movie. It was a god-awful movie. I, so many flaws. I don't even know where to begin. I wasted a ticket at TIFF to go see that. <laughs> um, as far as snubs, if we're being realistic of people who are probably in contention, Lupita Nyong'o, I think, was absolutely overlooked because it was a horror film and also because it came out so much earlier this year than most Oscar movies typically do. She did a great job playing two performances, uh, both a good and and an evil version of herself, which was some great character work. So it's a shame. I also agree about Aquafina. Would have been lovely to see her there, but farewell will shut out. I think that's going to be sort of a, a common reoccurring trend as far as snubs go that we're going to be talking about today. Uh, all right. So now the next category is best actor. We've got Antonio Banderas for Pain and Glory, Leonardo DiCaprio for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Adam Driver for Marriage Story. Joaquin Phoenix for Joker, and Jonathan Price for The Two Popes. So I'm going to leave this off. As far as a surprise for me is uh, is going to be Jonathan Price. It seemed like when the award season started, The Two Popes was completely forgotten about. And then in the last week or so, it just completely picked up steam and did as well as it did where it got, I think, uh, six nominations in the end or something like that, uh, which, was, which was definitely surprising. And... Uh, I haven't seen it yet, so I can't really comment on his performance. But as far as what I would want to see, maybe uh, I was a bit surprised that uh, Taron Edgerton didn't get a nomination for um, for his portrayal as Elton John. That was a bit surprising. Um, but yeah, um, what about you, uh, Sammy? Yeah, so uh, not nothing hugely surprising. Same snub is Taron Edgerton as well. Um, and actually, having seen his movie, he de- he would have deserved to be nominated. Um, this is another. I feel this is another predictable predictable category because Joaquin Phoenix will very likely win. Um, and uh, yeah, nothing nothing terribly surprising here. We're starting. I think we're we're going to constantly be seeing the same names over and over again, year over year, until there's major changes in the Academy and major changes in the kind of movies being made. But that's a whole conversation for a separate episode. Mm-hmm. Steph. Um, I don't really have to, uh, any surprises for this one other than the fact that I was surprised of who wasn't on there, which brings me to my snub. I think Eddie Murphy should have been nominated. Dolomay was a fantastic film. I thought he really committed and truly believed his performance. Um, I think that was a huge snub. And I'm also actually, what I am surprised about is that Adam Sandler, uh, didn't end up, uh, in this category with a nomination just because I've was hearing so much about it. I have unfortunately haven't seen uncut gems yet, but I have been hearing so much. So I, I really thought he was going to be there. All right. Now moving on to best supporting actress, we've got Kathy Bates from Richard Jewell, Laura Dern from marriage story, Scarlett Johansson from Jojo rabbit, Florence Pugh for little women and Margot Robbie from bombshell. Uh, Stephanie, why don't you let us lead us off with your snubs and surprises? Um, I, I guess I'm surprised that Scarlett Johansson actually did make it on here. I 
didn't think she was going to. It's a happy surprise for me. I really enjoyed her performance in Jojo Rabbit and think that it's totally warranted. So I'm really happy that she did end up here. Um, especially since I know she had such a huge push for Marriage Story. I didn't think that she'd show up twice. Um, and then I guess my snub would be Davina Joy Rand for Dolomite in My Name. I thought she was fantastic and really grounded um, Eddie Murphy in his performance and made that just made that movie. So that's a snub for me. Sammy, what about you? Uh, nothing major in the snub category. Um, I'm always happy to see Laura Dern nominated for anything because she deserves every award. Um, but I will say I left Little Women and said Florence Pugh is going to get nominated for supporting actress. Uh, Oscar and everyone else was like, no, no, like, I don't think that's going to happen. But I, she, she was to me, the, not the star, but she, she really came through in this movie. Um, and I think she's very deserving of the nomination. I don't think that she'll win. I actually don't know who's going to win in this category, to be honest, but, um, um, I do think she was fantastic. It really seems like it's Laura's, Laura Dern's award to lose at this point. Um, Kathy Bates was just an absolute surprise that she got nominated for Richard Jewell because that movie was getting pretty well trashed by critics and she wasn't on really any of the precursors and then all of a sudden sort of just popped up at the late um if we're maybe talking about some other snubs maybe uh Zhu Zhen from the farewell i think that was one that a lot of people were really hoping for that gave maybe one of the the most uplifting performances of the year as nai nai uh aquafina's grandmother very terrific, subtle performance that I, I wish was uh, recognized and very disappointed that it was not. So moving on to Best Supporting Actor, we've got Tom Hanks, A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, Anthony Hopkins for The Two Popes, Al Pacino for The Irishman, Joe Pesci for The Irishman, and Brad Pitt for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Sammy, any surprises or snubs? Uh, nothing sticks out for me here. Um, this is actually another more of a question mark. Uh, Anthony Hopkins was good. He's not going to win. Um, but uh, it is kind of kind of interesting to see two from the Irishman here. Um, I, I'm wondering if this is going to be, I think I read that this is Tom Hanks' first nomination in almost 20 years. Um, so it'll be really interesting if there's going to be a recognition of, okay, well, um, you did this movie. That's cool. You played someone already, uh, people love, but also you've done a lot of pretty good movies and also some mediocre movies in the last 20 years. So here's an Oscar. It's hard to say. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Stephanie, for you? I don't have any surprises or snubs here, really. Um, yeah, I'm just happy and rooting for Brad Pitt, which mm -hmm. I never thought I'd say. <laughs> yeah, I, I think he's also probably going to be the lead, and and maybe this is one of these the boring years where it looks like there's going to be four lead winners, and they're going to kind of race to the finish line. And unless something surprising actually ends up happening, we probably know who's going to win the acting awards. Things obviously might change, like you were suggesting with Tom Hanks. There, it's been 19 years, which is just wild. Uh, if anyone was forgotten, it was probably Song Kang Ho from Parasite, but it, it was so tough because it's such an ensemble cast. I know people were pretty disappointed that Parasite didn't get any acting nominations, but it was basically a six-hander where no one was more screen time than anyone else, and who really stood ahead so there's probably some vote splitting going on, so I, I understand probably why they didn't end up making the final cut. 
All right, up next, we've got Best Director. We've got Martin Scorsese for The Irishman, Todd Phillips for Joker, Sam Mendes for 1917, Quentin Tarantino for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and Bong Joon-ho for Parasite. I'm going to lead this off. Um, I think the surprise is Todd Phillips. At the beginning of award season, he seemed like a lock, and then he sort of seemed to lose a bunch of steam. And now he's back uh, with a Best Director nomination, and I'm, I'm definitely surprised, especially since Joker ended up getting 11 nominations and absolutely leading the whole pack. But I think it came at the expense, in my opinion, of Greta Gerwig um, in um, for her, her direction of Little Women. It would have also been interesting. I know I don't know if you're, anyone else is going to talk about it, but Noah Baumbach from Marriage Story, where there could have been an actual couple facing off against each other. And it would have been a really interesting storyline to follow just for my own personal you know, curiosity. Uh, but Stephanie, what about you? Um, no major surprises here for me. Um, I was disappointed that Lulu Wang wasn't up there for the farewell or Taika Waititi. Um, I kind of knew though that he would be a long shot. So I'm, I guess I'm more disappointed that Lulu Wang didn't get more love here. Mm. And Sammy, what about you? Edgar Wake all the way as the biggest snub. Um, I'm not pleased to see Todd Phillips on there, and I could talk at length about about why, and I'm not going to. But um, I'm I'm confident he's not going to win, or I really hope he doesn't win, um, because there are more deserving people from what I've heard about 1917. Sam Mendes may be a shot there as well. So. Yeah, strong feelings. <laughs> yeah, I, I think they're, once again, the pitcher and director are not going to go hand in hand. I'm prob- I haven't quite sussed out what my final predictions are going to be, but I'm thinking it's going to be Hollywood for pitcher and Sam Mendes for director. Um, because, it, you know, Sam Mendes, I think, really is the star of 1917 of being able to pull off such a masterful film there. I will back that. <laughs> uh, all right, moving on to adapted screenplay. We've got The Irishman, Jojo Rabbit, Joker, Little Women, and The Two Popes. Sammy, any surprises or snubs for you? Uh, I haven't been following the screenplay game this year as much as I have in previous years. I'm, of course, pleased to see both Jojo Rabbit and Little Women there. Um, again, Joker is kind of... My concern about Joker's nominations in a lot of these categories has has less sometimes has less to do with the movie itself that I have no interest in um, and have some problems with, um, and more to do with people saying, "Oh, it's the legitimacy of the comic book movie." But I don't I don't believe that at all. And obviously, there have been nominations for other comic book movies in the past as well. So nothing really too surprising, to be honest. I'm just glad to see that some of the some of the people that are good and that I like there, mm-hmm. and also nice to see a woman every so often in these categories. Absolutely, Stephanie. Yeah, no major surprises for me here. Um, nothing to my knowledge that was snubbed. Um, I will say that I think that the Joker is going to be one of those films that has like the most nominations and ends up winning like one. That's yeah. my prediction. Yeah, it seems like every every few years there's one of those movies that gets about nine to eleven nominations and go and walks away with almost nothing. Yeah. Um, I was a little surprised that the Two Popes was as well liked as it was, and uh, I was a little disappointed that book smart Olivia Wilde's uh, screenplay was was not there uh, because I thought that would be a good little interesting pick. Usually the screenplay nominations have a couple uh, interesting films that don't usually get anything else outside of that those categories, and so it would have been nice to see something like Booksmart being rewarded. Now moving on to original screenplay, we've got Knives Out, Marriage Story, 1917, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and Parasite. Stephanie, do you have any surprises or snubs? Um, 
I guess my biggest snub would have to be the farewell. I guess I'm just going to be talking about that all podcast long. Uh, it was snubbed and I'm disappointed and sad and I guess I'll just go and watch the film again. Um, and I guess I'm just a little surprised at 1917 being on there, being as there's such little dialogue and storytelling really there. So that's kind of a, a surprise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not really sure exactly how much dialogue was even in this movie. It was probably maybe 15, 20 pages worth because it really is basically just uh, two hours of running. Not that it's a bad thing because it definitely works and you're emotionally invested, but it's definitely a little surprising. Um, Sammy, anything for you? I'm going to echo the 1917 thing. It's a surprise to me. Um, a lot of what I've been seeing is people basically saying that this is an indication that there's a lot of good chances it's going to win more awards than anyone thinks it will. Um, and I think it, it's going to do very well in the technical categories, especially. Um, I'm happy to see Knives out there. I'm not as happy to see Marriage Story. Um, I, I know enough about it. And I know the plot. I haven't seen it. I know. Sorry, listeners, that I don't watch all these movies. Um, but I, I do know that so much of it is based on kind of... Uh, Noah Bombach saying, look how amazing I am and how things about the story that bother me a bit. So that's more of a personal thing. Um, uh, But I am it's an overall it's a list I'm overall happy with. I would love to see Ryan Johnson win, though. Agreed. Interesting. Okay. Uh, Now we're going to move on to International Feature, the former foreign language film award. The nominees are Corpus Christi, Honeyland, Les Miserables. Pain and Glory and Parasite. Uh, this is this is all, always such a tough category to really predict because for the most part, people don't know about most of these movies until the nominations come out. You'll have one or two headliners, usually made by large directors, and then the rest are virtual unknowns. And we really have that. The two big ones are Parasite, which is obviously up for a bunch of awards that I think almost everyone knows about, and then Pain and Glory, which is the new Pedro Almodovar movie that also got a nomination for Antonio Banderas for Best Actor. So those are the two real heavyweights of this category. I think the only snub as far as what online chatter was was more so not something that was submitted, but something that wasn't submitted. People were upset that France chose Les Miserables over Portrait of a Lady on Fire, which seems to be probably the next largest international film this year. And I think that's sort of the the big snub for that. I don't know if either of you have any input as far as thoughts on the, the this category, Sammy Dio. Uh nothing nothing really. Um it's always a category that unless there's a big French language Canadian film, which the change in the name makes it kind of strange because it's like, oh, is a big Canadian English film going to be considered for it? Anyway, um, unless that's in the mix, uh, then I'm not as interested. What I am kind of interested in, though, I know it wasn't an amazing film, but um, there's an anime film from Japan last year, Weathering With You, um, that if it was going to fit in not in animated, it had a potential in international feature. But that being said, Japan may, not, may have not even entered it. Um, so nothing, nothing much else to add. And Stephanie, for you? Yeah, I don't have anything to to add here either. I think the last interesting thing about this category is Honeyland is also nominated for documentary, which we haven't gotten to yet. Uh, so it's I, I love it when you've got these foreign language international films that break out into other categories as well. There's always a couple. Last year it was both Roma and Cold War. This year we've got three with Parasite, Pain and Glory, and Honeyland. So I'm very happy to see that uh, distribution. Moving on, we've got original song. We've got I Can't Let You Throw Yourself Away from Toy Story 4, 
I'm going to love me again from Rocket Man. I'm standing with you from Breakthrough, Into the Unknown from Frozen 2, and Stand Up from Harriet. Uh, Sammy, uh, this is probably, I guess, your category, I would say, of any. Uh, so please tell us more about it. Sure. This is something where I know all the songs. So that's an exciting piece. I will say I know that Disney submitted Into the Unknown. It is not the best song on the Frozen 2 soundtrack. I think that Show Yourself and anyone who knows the soundtrack or has seen the movie will know why, because it's just amazing. Anyway, um, <clears throat> I think that, that it, it might be a shoe-in for the Into the Unknown, um, but given the animated film snub, which we're going to talk about, it's hard to say. Um, I do really love the Rocket Man song, um, and uh, Toy Story 4 seems kind of like um, a bit of a sentimental get um so i don't know i'm just grateful we're probably gonna get to see adina menzel perform at the oscars again that's the most important part um no major snubs for me in this category i'm sorry her name is adele nazim oh yes of course adele nazim (laughs) (laughs) uh stephanie any surprises or snubs for you um no surprises here for me a big snub would be the song glasgow from wild rose i thought that song was really super good and i thought it was going to be on here so i was surprised that it wasn't yeah, it's, song is sometimes a bit of a tricky category to predict. You'll get like one or two that you, you really do expect. I think this year it'd probably be the, the Frozen and Rocket Man songs. And then you have a few like absolute wild cards where, you know, you could pick a list out of a hat of 10 different movies. And then you have one that no one has ever heard of. And it looks like this year it's going to be I'm Standing With You from Breakthrough, which was the biggest surprise of the whole bunch. Um, but yeah, while Wild Rose not getting a nomination, this is is a shocker and I think a bit of a travesty because I think it would have been a very worthy winner if that was the case. Moving on to original score, we've got Joker, Little Women, Marriage Story, 1917, and Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker. Um, I'm a bit surprised that Star Wars ended up making the cut only because John Williams has been nominated so many times for his Star Wars scores, and frankly, they're all kind of same-same to me. Not that they aren't bad, just... How dare you? (laughs) (laughs) You know what, just by saying this, I've probably pissed off so many people on the internet. So whatever, I'll take the I'll take the abuse. Um, Yeah, but as far as snubs, uh, maybe Jojo Rabbit. Like it's tough. Um, How do you discern the difference from a more bombastic score versus one that is more spacious and lets the movie breathe and deciding what is better and things like that? So so it's kind of a bit of a harder category to predict, anyways, as far as what might be missing out. But uh, Steph, do you have anything you want to add? No, I mean, I kind of agree with you on the Star Wars um, comment, but I'll leave it there. Um, I'm just really happy that um, the Joker was nominated for score. That was my favorite score of last year and probably the the thing I liked the most about that film. Um, But I don't really have any snubs. Sammy? Uh, Same for me. I'm actually glad to see... Um, the Star Wars score there. It was probably one of the best parts of that movie as well. Um, and uh, I've heard that the score for Joker is quite good. Little Women, I did like. Uh, I actually am surprised. I know it's not very common that musical scores get on here, but Christoph Beck's score for Frozen 2 was amazing and I think much, much better than his score for the first movie. And I'm I'm a little surprised that it wasn't on there. It it's very much stands on its own. Mm, interesting. Uh, moving on to animated feature, we've got How to Train Your Dragon, The Hidden World, I Lost My Body, Claws or Klaus, Missing Link, 
in Toy Story 4. Uh, this is a category I'm actually really excited because there's a couple more under-the-radar picks in this one. Um, I think the the craziest thing, though, is the fact that Frozen 2 did not get nominated, and uh, I guess Klaus or Claus got in in its place. Uh, Sammy, I'm sure you are dying to talk about Frozen being snubbed. It's just so strange to me because Frozen 2 and Toy Story 4 are completely different movies. Yes, they're the same studio, but I don't know what would have compelled um, the Academy to choose not to nominate them. It's fine not to give them the win. It's also fine not to nominate them. Maybe it's payback after years and years of the Academy's uh, members' children saying, let it go. Uh, they didn't want to have to give any more <laughs> any more to Frozen that they that they could. Um, I I see this as actually a missed bag. There's a lot of potential for Klaus. It's a beautiful film. Um, I hadn't seen I haven't seen a, a few of these. Missing Link was fine. I'm kind of surprised it's there. Toy Story Four is Toy Story Four. So um, it it's a it's a nice list. I'm just you know the biggest animated movie of the year is not uh, not there. And as an interesting aside, I believe Disney also submitted Lion King not for animated feature but for for best pick best picture and there's a potential it could have been a nominate nomination for animated feature purely from a technical standpoint it's interesting i read something that movies that go for photorealism cgi uh like the lion king it does not actually count as a animated film as far as the academy's rules go so i don't know how much truth there is because it was kind of like an offhand comment that i read in an article um and i haven't seen enough of a deep dive i think it's an issue that they do need to address because it's coming becoming more and more common where you'll get about one movie a year especially from disney um where it's almost entirely cgi and no human elements to it or no live shots so it's really interesting to see how they're going to move forward with with movies like this i feel like cgi films are more visual effects than animation yeah that i i agree with that too but like to say that it's this weird trap where you're like the lion king is an animated movie because it doesn't contain any real shots or people but it's also purely just visual effects because it's not actually animated. So where do you where do you draw the sign? I think it's a really interesting sort of debate that maybe certainly to be having, just like the debate over motion capture performances, which you know about a decade ago, up through the Planet of the Apes movies, when Andy Serkis was getting lots of work, it was really forefront, and then it seemed to have been dying off because he's not doing as many motion capture performances last couple of years. And I think this is a, a similar sort of topic that needs to be addressed that I don't know if the Academy actually will because they don't seem to want to take a stand on anything. I think what we will see, um, not anytime soon, but in the future, we're going to see potentially an additional category for cinematography for virtual reality, because not just Lion King, many films with a lot of visual effects now are, so part of the cinematography is done through virtual reality cameras. Uh, and that was especially done for Lion King. I think it was also used for um, a bit of 1917, um, not all of it for sure. So I think that's something that could come down the road. Yeah, like you you even look at something like uh, Avengers Endgame. I know a good chunk of it takes place on Earth, but everything that's in outer space and the final fight sequences and all that sort of stuff, how much of that is, you know, real filming? That's all CGI and, and digital photography. So that'd be very interesting to sort of see if that would fall under that purview as well. Um, and then, Steph, uh, we'll round out this category with you. What about your thoughts on this category? 
Um, I'm just really glad that I lost my bodies on here. I thought it was a really unique way to tell a story and uh, just a really fascinating, fascinating film. So uh, I'm happy that it's there, but I don't have any snubs. I mean, I guess, yeah, Frozen 2 is a huge film that maybe should have been on there, but I'm not. Sorry, Sammy, a huge Frozen fan. So I'm (laughs) upset that it's not there. That's okay. I can let it go. Oh, God. Oh, I'm editing that out. Uh, all right. Documentary feature. We've got American Factory, The Cave, The Edge of Democracy, Forsama, and Honeyland. Uh, Steph, do you have any surprises or snubs here? Um, I, I'm not too well-versed in the documentary scene. I do eventually watch the ones that are nominated but going into it i don't know very much about it so i'm not i can't really speak to any surprises or snubs i know you've got a big one so i'll let you talk about it yeah for me it's apollo 11 it seemed like it was just the 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 front runner for this category as a whole it was so inventive this idea of editing together a movie with uh, no narration, no interviews, nothing like that, and just clipping together the story of the Apollo 11 mission and doing it with this masterful B-roll photography and doing this very compelling narrative story was just just mind-blowing that it wasn't nominated. But it seems like almost every year there's a front-runner documentary that the documentary guild is just like, nah, we're not going to honor this one. And it's always like a surprise where it's like the most well-known, well-received, well-reviewed movie of the year in the documentary genre, and they just completely fluff it off. Uh, so I, I'm pretty pissed off that Apollo 11 was not nominated because I actually would have wished it was actually up for editing as well, and it wasn't. Uh, Sammy, what about you? Do you have anything for this category? Same snub as you. Apollo 11 was amazing. It's the, I haven't seen a lot of documentaries this year, but it was the best one. I wonder if some members of the Academy were just being turning up their nose, uh, or the, the Documentary Guild in particular, at uh, older footage, so it wasn't new footage. Who knows? Whatever. Anyway, I'm glad to see American Factory on here at the very least um, of the one of the ones on the list. I have seen that one, so uh, I'm glad to see it there. I'm, I'm, but I am genuinely surprised Apollo 11 was was left out. Mm-hmm. And like I mentioned earlier, Honeyland is also in the international film category, so that's uh, it's great for them. It makes you wonder if there may be a bit of a front runner because they've got uh, cross nomination support already. So moving on, we've got best cinematography. We've got The Irishman, Joker, The Lighthouse, 1917, and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Steph, we'll lead off with you. Um, no surprises here. Uh, my favorite one has to be 1917. So happy rooting for that one, but that's clearly not a surprise. Um, I think, I guess my biggest snub would be knives out. I thought that cinematography was also very well done. And, uh, I mean, this film just in general didn't get much love. So I guess I'm not surprised there, but it, I, I do see it as an oversight. Uh, Sammy, what about you? Um, I, I would, I'd be willing to say that, that, um, little women and Judy both had really solid cinematography. Um, so I, I don't know if they're good enough to compare against some of these other films, but I was very impressed with both of them. Uh, cinematography was probably the only other thing aside from Renee Zellweger that really made Judy work. Um, but I'm always happy to see Roger Deakins on this list because he is the best. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, it's funny. We were in theaters watching it. And uh, when the 
church burning sequences happening. I was thinking to myself, I'm like, wow, this looks a lot like the Skyfall shot that Roger Deakins did uh, a couple of years ago. And then the credits roll. And I didn't even realize that Deakins did the cinematography. I'm like, oh, that's why it was so great. <laughs> uh, I was absolutely surprised that the lighthouse managed to get in. This is the only nomination for A24. Uh, I'm very happy it got in. And I think hopefully this allows more people to go out and see it because it's a really interesting, weird little movie. Uh, as far as snubs, I, I kind of like Marriage Story the way I don't think it was shot on film, but it definitely looks like it was shot on film. It's got a very nice soft focus and really interesting look to it that uh, was very interesting to see. Moving on to best costume design, we've got The Irishman, Jojo Rabbit, Joker, Little Women, and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Sammy, what are your thoughts on the category? Um, this is a category that I think can, it, this is one of those categories like makeup and hair that I think some years there's fewer nominees or the nominees don't really make sense. Um, of the films listed here, I've seen little women costumes are great. It's period work, gives it a good chance and might win. But I think that also is what lends itself, uh, for once upon a time in Hollywood and basically all the films essentially just period pieces in one way or another. Um, so no big surprises for me. There was no big kind of costume film this year that I think is missing. Mm. Stephanie, um, I'm a little surprised to see the Irishman here. I'm I that kind of is from left field for me, uh, so it was a bit of a surprise. I think that there are two giant um, oversights here with the Rocket Man, with all the costuming that was done in that film, and more love for Dolomite is my name. Uh, definitely also should have been nominated. I think that the costumes were fantastic in that, uh, both for um, Eddie Murphy and Davina Joran. So. That was disappointing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I want, I agree that the Irishman was a bit of a surprise, and I don't really think it should be in there. Um, but yeah, that that sounds about right. For there was no real like other big huge period movie. There was no like Elizabethan era uh, movie which the Academy loves to nominate for costume design this year. So it's nothing, no real, no harm, no foul sort of thing. Um, for makeup and hairstyling, we've got Bombshell, Joker. Judy, Maleficent, Mistress of Evil in 1917. Uh, I think it's uh, interesting that Maleficent, Mistress of Evil ended up making the cut. It was obviously one that's got a lot of really interesting makeup, but it didn't seem to have the steam like some of the other ones did. Um, I'm also a little surprised of 1917 because it seemed like most of the makeup wasn't really makeup. It was like um, prosthetic work for for different dead bodies already so it's not like they were already on the actor so i don't really consider that hair and makeup so i don't really know why it was there um and i think i guess a bit of a snub would be once upon a time in hollywood because i think they did a really good job with the period hair and makeup especially on uh, on margot robbie making her look like sharon tate uh sammy what about you um I, this list looks good to me i think it's it's fairly deserving judy is i think focuses on transforming renee zellweger into judy garland um i'll actually say bombshell is probably my front runner in my mind because they do a great job kind of uh m- mimicking the looks of the the three main uh women um i will actually say this as a snub and i'm not saying this ironically i think avengers endgame deserves something in makeup and hair not so much in this movie alone, but a recognition of the whole 22 movies so far of basically the sheer effort of the amount of people they need to put in full body paint and and the kind of transformation. I guess it's not so much hairstyles necessarily, other than Scarlett Johansson from movie to movie. Um, but I think this is one of those categories that could have been a little bit of a recognition. I mean, not that they would have won. 
Mm. And Stephanie? Yeah, I have to side with Sammy here. I think Bombshell is definitely the strongest. Um, but I'll, I'll agree with you that I, I'm not sure why 1917 is in here. As much as I love the film, this is kind of a weird uh, nomination for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. So next we've got Best Production Design. We've got The Irishman, Jojo Rabbit, 1917, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and Parasite. I think you have to give credit to 1917 for literally digging up miles of trenches and building them out to make it World War One period accurate. Um, that is fantastic to see it there. But once again, why is the Irishman here? I, I'm not really sure about that. Um, as far as snubs, uh, I really like the House of, of Little Women. I think they did a great job with that, showing the sort of uh, how they go through the different years and, and the different looks of that era. Um, Steph, what about you? Um, I won't talk too much about the Irishman because I could go on and on as to why it's nominated for anything, but I'll continue. Um, I think that Knives Out should have been nominated here for production. I thought it was such a, a great set piece and all the different rooms and the way they were utilized and the way it's like a game board and, and trying to figure out all these different things. So, it really was like Clue. Yeah, I mean, it really was. <laughs> Sammy, what about you? Um, I would echo probably both for Knives Out and for Little Women. Little Women, definitely. Um, and also to an extent at Astra as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's uh, one we're going to speak about in a little bit. So yeah, absolutely. Uh, Moving on to visual effects. We've got Avengers Endgame, The Irishman, The Lion King, 1917, and Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker. I I don't think you can really quibble with really any of these. Sammy, do you have any quibbles with this category? Because I looked at a a surprise or a snub. I'm just like, I don't really have any. Yeah, I mean, this is the most Disney nominations in one category, and it usually is in the last few years. Um, I think that it's it's likely going to Lion King for for pure achievement. Um, Lion King is one of those movies where they had to keep inventing technologies just to make the movie work. And I think this will be a bit of a recognition of that. This is another to, to kind of speak to Steph. I kind of am surprised with The Irishman a little bit when you compare it against these other films that are there. Um, but nothing really terribly surprising. It's sort of like Star Wars gets nominated for it almost every time. Avengers gets nominated almost every time. It doesn't mean either, either of them will win. Yeah, I kind of agree. I mean, like I've said before with the Irishman, I guess I understand with the de-aging and all that stuff, but um, no surprises for me here. Now, wait, though, Sammy, wasn't Cat snubbed? Um, that you're talking about the Razzies. Uh, that's a different, different <laughs> award ter- ceremony. Um, I actually think that whoever did the, the visual effects for cats is going to have their potential Oscars or nominations revoked for all time. <laughs> you mean only half, uh, visually doing VFX on Judy, uh, Dench and her still in regular people clothes with her wedding rings on and things like that. That isn't good uh, the- visual effects. That only that's only the beginning. <laughs> All right, moving on. We've got best film editing: Ford versus Ferrari, The Irishman, Jojo Rabbit, Joker, and Parasite. Um, once again, you know we're clearly not fans of The Irishman, so sorry to anyone that's a fan of this. Um, it, 
I think they spent way too long on, you know, spending three and a half hours with this movie just didn't really make sense. And I think that if this movie was edited better and shorter, it would be a lot better. If this was a two to two and a half hour movie, I think this movie would be the masterpiece that people are claiming it to be and not what a three and a half hour movie sort of bloated mess this kind of is. And I say this as a huge Martin Scorsese fan. Uh, as far as maybe snubs, uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood not getting this maybe is a bit indicative that it might not be the best picture winner, even though I'm still predicting that it is at this moment. Uh, so that's a little bit surprising for sure. Uh, Steph, what about you? Yeah, I'm kind of with you on both fronts, surprises and snubs. So not too much to, to add there, really. Sammy, what about you? Um, I'd probably say um, 1917 is a little bit of a snub because of the effort put in to make it look like it was one shot. Um, I think that, that that has to be worth something. But then again, um, it is what it is. What I will also say um, this time, ironically, is um, Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker because it takes a lot of executive effort to edit a film that way um, to come out worse than the director intended. Um, <laughs> so that's all I'll say about that. I still loved it, by the way, but uh, that's what I'm going to say. This is fascinating because I haven't seen it yet, so I'm very curious about what you mean by that. Oh, time's going to tell. We'll have a separate episode on that, I guess. Yeah, yeah. We have talked about that (laughs) offline a little bit. Uh, All right. uh, Next, we've got sound editing. Ford versus Ferrari, Joker, 1917, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker. Sammy, any thoughts? Uh, Nothing big here. I say this every year. There's always three or four movies that are in sound editing and sound mixing. I know that they're very different, um, but I am surprised to see Ad Astra missing from here while still be on sound mixing um, because I don't know if The Rise of Skywalker really um, really kind of excels from previous Star Wars films in the editing department. Mm-hmm. Uh, Steph, what about you? I've got nothing, uh, nothing to add to this one. It's interesting because... I'm surprised that Skywalker is in editing and not in mixing because if I'm understanding correctly, editing is sort of the actual sounds you are supposed to be hearing, whereas mixing is sound added afterwards specifically to enhance things. And so what sounds are supposed to be natural in Star Wars, but... Pew, pew. Yeah, but that would be sound mixing. You <laughs> I know, know, the, the lightsaber stuff. So I'm, I'm a little surprised in that. I feel like... Um, and not not to say that Ad Astra and Skywalker should be reversed, but I, yeah, I don't know. Um, I guess for me, my my big snub would be Apollo Eleven. I really thought this should have been here as well because they did a great job capturing the sounds of the the rocket and its mission. And I know that some of it was added afterwards, especially the stuff in space, obviously because there is no sound in space. Um, so I was really disappointed that. This movie got no love at all. Now, moving on to sound mixing, Ad Astra, Ford versus Ferrari, Joker, 1917, and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. So the category is almost identical with Skywalker being out and Ad Astra being in. Stephanie, anything for you? I'll leave it to you two audiophiles to talk about these categories. Sammy? Um, I, it just continues from what I said before, uh, at Astra is, it, it's nice to see it there. I'm seeing a bit of a gravity in 2014, uh, trend with 1917, um, that I think it's sort of, uh, it's sort of, it, there, there's more of a technical component of it, um, that I think the Academy might be really fond of no major snubs from my standpoint here. A bit interesting that Rocketman didn't make the cut, I guess, is the only real surprise. 
I feel like Hollywood has a problem with Rocket Man, but I don't know what it is. When a when a movie like um, when a movie like the the Queen movie like the from the year before just gets yeah it gets so much love love and then a movie like Rocket Man that is significantly better with your lead actually singing um, I don't know I don't really know where, where the kind of the the breakdown in that is but I think it's it might be along the lines of the Irishman getting a lot of nominations too <laughs> yeah the only thing that I can possibly think of is that they saw the utter backlash they got for getting giving all these awards to Bohemian Rhapsody and go oh. Maybe people don't really like musical biopics as much as we thought they did, so maybe let's not vote for them. And then they just proceeded to completely ignore Rocket Man because of that. That's the only thing I could think of. If they want to make up for it, then they're giving Best Picture to Parasite. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, all right, so I'm just going to say off the bat, I haven't seen any of the documentary shorts, live-action shorts, and animated shorts. I'm going to read through them, but... Sammy or Steph, do either of you have any real comments about these categories? Nothing to add here, no. Nothing to add for myself either. All right, so I'll just quickly run through them. The documentary shorts nominees are In the Absence, Learning to Skateboard in a War Zone if You're a Girl, which is the best title I've ever seen, Life Overtakes Me, St. Louis Superman, and Walk, Run, Cha-Cha. The live-action short film nominations are Brotherhood, Nefta Football Club, the Neighbor's Widow, Saria, and a Sister. And then animated short film is Daughter, Hair Love, Kit Bull, Memorable, and Sister. So now we are going to look at some of the bigger sort of storylines to this ceremony. I think one of the biggest ones is Scarlett Johansson getting two Oscar nominations, uh, which surprisingly is the first time in her career that she's actually ever been nominated. I thought she was nominated for Girl with a Pearl Earring way back when, but I guess not. Uh, and only 11 other people in the history of the Oscars have accomplished getting two acting nominations in the same year, which is which is kind of crazy for me. Um, so go around the table. Any, any sort of comments on that? I think it's um, I was seeing a lot of people talking about how, oh, she should have gotten this earlier in her in her career. But I think she's she has her career. She's not someone who's relying on an Oscar after her first first or second movie. Um, despite Lost in Translation being being a pretty solid movie, but um, this is a good time for her to be nominated, even if she doesn't win. It just shows that there's obviously range. There's obviously the different types of characters she can play. She can be in Black Widow and still be nominated for two Oscars um, the same year that that comes out. So uh, I think this is great for her. I think it's great for her career. I think she's not going anywhere, um, but I also don't see her winning either. Personally, for me, uh, like I mentioned, um, I was happy and surprised that she was nominated for Supporting Actress in Jojo Rabbit. But personally, for me, her performance in Marriage Story didn't really do anything for me, but I understand where they're coming from. So I think it's just a surprise that she does have both of them, and you know, I'm happy for her. Mm -hmm. I was... I preferred her performance in Jojo Rabbit and I preferred Adam Driver's performance in The Report, which is very interesting. Um, and I really didn't think that she stood a chance for Jojo because it's so rare for someone to get two nominations, but I'm really glad that Scar Joe got Jojo. <laughs> um, <laughs> Gross. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this is the pun podcast now. Um, I think the big another big story that like we we talked about it in length, but it just has to be mentioned again. Frozen two not getting an animated nomination, leading to a potentially more underseen winner. Sure, probably Toy Story four is the front runner, but I think it's so surprising that 
in an industry where most of the guild members are either Disney or Disney Pixar employees and they didn't get their Disney movie nominated, I think is just absolutely shocking. I, like, is there some sort of internal backlash going on that we don't know about? But it's definitely just such an interesting story that I think regardless of what happens this year and who wins, I think the major talking point is going to be about how Frozen 2 was not nominated. I I think there's uh, there's a few things that are weird about it more than anything. Number one is that um, the Oscars are on ABC this year, which is Disney's TV channel. Um, but that's its own thing. I know the Academy's out there. I, I'm willing to bet that it was a very very close sixth place. I'm sure, like uh, because there was a short list of ten. Um, I I think it, people it just came in very very close. I do think that there may be a little bit of backlash about what the movie's trying to say. It's very anti-colonial. Um, and I, I'm wondering if some of the the uh, old farts on the Academy just didn't like that. They want a, a kids movie to be a kids movie. And I think that there was a bit of there, there was a little bit of a pushback from them. that that might be reading into it a bit too much. But um, that I'm wondering if that had anything to do with it. Mm-hmm. I think a big thing is about how few amount of movies are basically taking up all of the nominations you've got four movies with 10 or more joker's got 11 leading the pack but once upon a time in hollywood 1917 and the irishman all have 10 nominations and then you've got four more four more movies with six nominations apiece which is basically almost all of the categories outside of like the the more technical ones in in the short film category so it's just absolutely surprising that there is such little sort of diversity no pun intended because we're going to talk about that later uh as far as the, the 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 not quality but the the range of movies selected uh normally you get like one or two big nomination getters and then you get like a whole bunch with like five or less and this year it just isn't the case Yeah, I mean, I think there are some movies that definitely could have joined the pack, um, like The Farewell and Dolomite is my name, but I think it was just a strong year for film, really, so kind of hard to choose. Mm. Anything for you, Sammy, there? Nothing to add here. I, I said before it was it's a hard film, but there's also a bit of a predictability to it this year. The moment Once Upon a Time in Hollywood came out, I was like, well, there's Oscar's favorite movie. <laughs> Even if they won't win everything, it's Hollywood loves Hollywood. There's a bit of a there, – there's such an old guard aspect to the Oscars that I think just they, – they, I mean, Joker is a bit subversive a little bit, but it's also the perfect Oscar movie too because it's about a white guy. So that there's there's that kind of component of it as well. So there's not a ton of surprises. I think it's not a year. I think it's Oscars looking back on the last few years. Oh, people were upset about Green Book. I wonder why. People are upset about The Shape of Water. I wonder why. And sort of uh, adjusting that way. Thankfully, though, there's new members of the Academy every year as well. Yeah, they're they're definitely going hard into that of trying to correct as quickly as possible. They know that you can't just like invite, you know, 2000 new Academy members and just everything being in disarray. So they're trying to do it uh, bit by bit and sort of focusing on different categories of different guilds that they're inviting people on and, and really correcting mistakes of who hadn't been invited in the past. And so I think every year it's going to be there's going to be a bit of a, a readjustment period to kind of gauge where the Academy sort of is at. Um, I talked about, you know, the, the concept of director and pitcher being different winners in the last, you know, five or six years. That's pretty much always been the case where they're not 
in sync. And I think that's going to sort of be the norm this year. Uh, and, and I think that's because you're getting more and more people in to vote. Whereas in the past, it was like, well, Return of the King is my best picture. So I'm just going to vote it for everything sort of thing. Or Titanic is my best picture. Might as well vote it for everything. Um, so it's definitely interesting to see that people are, are maybe being a little more thoughtful with where they're going to dole out the awards. Because the other big thing is movies aren't sweeping as much anymore. They'll, you know, the big winner of the night will get three or four wins, which is, you know, uh, not the norm as it was in the past. Absolutely. Uh, And then as we were talking about sort of diversity and things like that, uh, once again, no female directors and Cynthia Revo being the only actor of color, which is definitely inviting a lot of criticism already. Uh, When Issa Rae was announcing the best director nominees at the end of it, she said, congrats to those men. Women are making movies. The Academy doesn't care. And a lot of distributors and producers also don't put a lot of put a lot of effort sometimes into it as well. I mean, I, I'm curious to see one of the highest profile films coming out next year. And from a blockbuster standpoint is uh, Nikki Caro's uh, Mulan, but who's to say if it's going to be a movie that Disney is going to push for, Hey, a woman directed this, give us a D- best director nominee. We have to see what the movie's like, of course. Um, but how many other big films coming up that are kind of high level, multi, like a hundred million plus budget films are being directed by women? Are women even given these opportunities? Not saying that's the reason they weren't nominated because Greta Gerwig deserves to be there, but there, there needs to be more recognition of that, um, on the part of the Academy for sure. Yeah. There's like this weird, gap level for Oscar movies where, you know, the, the super, super high budget, uh, movies don't usually contend for things other than the technical stuff. And then the like super small niche indie movies also aren't big enough to get the recognition that they need. And so it's that sort of like middle spot where you need, you know, one or two big names attached to it. You need it to kind of gross a bit of money, but not be breaking records. And so it's this really weird, super fine middle area where a movie like Little Women definitely is. Like, if we're being completely honest, as much as a snub as we think Lulu Wang is for The Farewell, I'm not super shocked that she didn't end up getting nominated because just no one saw that movie. It it just did not get the recognition it needed at the box office and by critics, whereas Little Women definitely should have been there. It's interesting you were talking about women being handed the reins to bigger franchises, and I think next year there are four or five superhero movies coming out. All of them are being directed by women. That's true. I did. You, I, you just reminded me of that, that there are a lot of them. But then again, it doesn't mean that they're going to get that. Um, they're going to get the Oscar recognition, but they should still be the ones making the money and making great films. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So it's definitely interesting. And as far as Cynthia Revo being the only actor of color, uh, a lot of people were sort of upset that... Um, you know, the farewell didn't get anything or, uh, Jennifer Lopez, uh, didn't get a nomination for supporting actress, which was a little bit surprising. Yeah. Or Eddie Murphy. I'll just throw it there again. Mm-hmm. The yeah. Color. You, yeah, you were, you were a big fan of, of several of the performances of Dolomite and yeah, hundred percent. Probably we're hoping that they get in there. Um, so what, what's, what's happening with this as far as, you know, this is 
Oscars almost so white again for what, like the fifth time in six years or something like that. There was that one year where it was pretty diverse and now we're just back to same old, same old. What, what's, what are we doing here? Uh, well, I mean, it's, there are plenty of movies that come out every year with people of color. I mean, um, Dakota, you talked about the last black man in San Francisco. Was it a film that, that could have, could have garnered at least a nomination for one of its actors? Potentially, it's just uh, people aren't paying attention to to some of these films, and and there is a little bit of a um, okay. Well, we're gonna have one, and it's Harriet Tubman. There you go. Everyone's happy, like that that sort of mentality. I think it's 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 a uh, it's all opportunity. It's all being seen, and I think it, it's just it's such a slow glacial pace for the Academy that even even the Golden Globes, which is yes, 70 people voting on these things, but they're sometimes moving a bit more forward. Um, so it's just, it's just disappointing to see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then as far as for me, my last big sort of storyline is once again, no host this year, which we, we kind of knew going in they're like, Oh, they haven't announced it. Normally they announce it like six months in advance. And last year it was the same way where it was like, you know, less than a month away. And they're like, Oh, by the way, there's no host. Um, and then this year it seemed like it was an offhand comment in an interview. One of the producers of the Oscars was just like, Oh yeah, we're just confirming that there's no host. And like, that's, I don't want to say it's a bit of a bombshell, but like, it's kind of like just being like, bam, deal with that story. <laughs> but like, I don't know. I'm fine with no host, Steph. Yeah, same. I think it, you know, it's unwarranted. It's faster without one, and it's it's better to have more people. As we're talking about diversity and you know mixing things up, you don't want to see the same person the whole night through. It's fine. I'm fine with it. Sammy, I'm definitely on board with it. Last year's show went at a much better pace than previously. You don't really need the monologue. You don't need the costume change. You don't need the interruptions. Just have stars presenting to other stars. Um, I fully anticipate following much in the in in the very well received opening of the last Oscars. I think Elton John will be the first person we see um, because last year we saw Queen basically, um, and I think that that's going to be the path that we follow every year. That there's a musical um, a musical biography or a fantastic musical biography. The, um, there's going to be the real person performing. Um, I, I expect that we will open with nothing else, if, if not Elton John, with a musical number, no matter what. Um, and I do. Th- there's been numerous things that it's new producers, and new directors talking at length about. It's three hours. It's three hours. It's three hours. So we'll hold them to that this year. Yeah, and fingers crossed. What if, yeah. What if the beginning is just a bunch of actual cats on stage? Oh God. Oh, perfect. No, you know what they should do? They should open open the show and have like, I don't know, Harrison Ford come out and say, and the winner for best picture is and then go from there. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Um Sammy, do you have any other storylines that you wanna that we didn't hit on tonight? Um, my big storyline is that I'm really excited for next year's Oscars because I'm more excited about a bunch of movies coming this year and this fall, um, than I was for this past year. So, uh, I look forward to it, but I'm always looking ahead. It's, it's interesting because, uh, Stephanie and I were just talking about this yesterday, um, or I, at least in my recollection, it's like looking at all these best picture contenders, you know, I'm kind of fine with all of them. Like, obviously I'm way more harder on the Irishman than most people are, but like, by and large, these movies are pretty good. Much better the crop than last year, I found, where I found myself seriously hate watching several of them when I try to watch everything. Um, so I'm, I'm pleasantly surprised that I'm not feeling like this is going to be a slog this year. 
Yeah, I think um, this year was really good for me. I'm I'm very excited for this year. This past year of films has brought me two of my favorite movies of all time. So um, I'm very excited to root for them on the actual night. Well, there we go. These are our nomination reactions. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure you follow the show wherever you get your podcasts, whether that be Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Anchor, Podcast Addict, etc. I appreciate your support. The last two episodes of the best films of the decade, which both Stephanie and Sammy were on, were the two biggest episodes yet, and I'm so happy. So I hope if you were listening from then, you just stick with it. I swear, they're always good. I try. Uh, make sure you follow the show on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. It's all at ContraZoomPod. Feel free to send me an email complaining about why I hate the Irishman and my comments about Skywalker are unwarranted at ContraZoomPod at gmail.com. Uh, the music for the show is done by Eric and Kevin Smale. Thank you to Aesthetic Magazine for presenting the show. But most importantly, thank you, Stephanie, and thank you, Sammy, for joining me. Happy to be here. Yeah, I'm glad I was here finally with Sammy. Yeah, this was <laughs> a real treat. <laughs> At last, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it will not be the last time, I promise. I hope so. All right. Well, thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoy the Oscars. We're going to have plenty of great Oscar content. There's going to be a new episode every week up until the post-Oscar reactions. So thank you, and stay tuned. Mm-hmm.